0: Welcome to HR Insights, the podcast, topical discussions with and for our global HR community. Good morning. My name is Stuart Elliott. I'm the CEO and owner of Elliott Sky HR. Welcome to a very special COVID-19 edition of our podcast. Over the next three weeks, we'll be running three bite-sized episodes focused on key areas that we're seeing and hearing from the HR community right here, right now. Three key areas will be week one, resilience. What is it? Why do we need it? And how do we get it? Week two, leadership. What leadership dynamics do we see succeeding in tricky times? And week three, the team. What really is happening to the current team dynamic? So while I'd love to say that I'm an expert in all of this, and I can assure you that I'm not, I'm very fortunate today and for the next three episodes to be joined by Susanna Yule from YSC New York. Good morning, Susanna.
1: Hi, Stuart. How are you?
0: Yeah, very well, thanks, very well. Um, Susanna is someone that we at elliot has Got have known for a long time now. So before we get started, would you like to give us a quick overview of your role and background?
1: Yeah, very happy to. So I'm I'm originally from New Zealand. I I trained as a business psychologist there and uh, started working for a test provider, so doing a lot of psychometric assessment, and then wanted to spread my wings. New Zealand's a small place. Uh, sure. the bottom of the world, so uh, moved to London and started working for a consultancy which specialises in leadership development and assessment, and uh, they've since been acquired by Deloitte actually to form their leadership practice, and okay. six and a half years ago I joined uh, YSC and have been, ever since I moved to London, have really worked quite a lot internationally, so I spent uh, three months in our Mumbai office and I ran our Hong Kong practice for three years, which is when I got to know Elliot Scott. And and then probably about, oh, it's probably, it feels like a long time in the current context, <laughs> probably, probably less than a year ago, I moved over to uh, New York uh, to join the North America leadership team.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're very much what I would call a global citizen.
1: Yeah, I've been really lucky to have the opportunities I've had.
0: So today, obviously, we're we're here to sort of talk about a term that I'm hearing more and more actually within sort of the COVID-19 crisis, so resilience. So Susanna, what do you see as the biggest misconception of, of resilience?
1: Well, I think there's a few, actually. So I think it's commonly thought of as a fixed trait, something you either have or you don't. And I'm sure you've heard comments, you know, he or she is more resilient than me, or I wish I was more resilient. <laughs> and you know, that's just not supported in the literature. So research coming out of positive psychology, child psychology, adult learning just shows that while there are personality traits that influence someone's resilience, the behaviours, the thoughts and actions underpinning resilience can actually be learned and probably be developed. So it's more malleable than we think. So it's a bit more like, you know, with extra training, we get fitter or we build muscle strength. So uh, that's quite encouraging for a lot of people to know that it's actually something we can develop. I think the other thing is, that people often define resilience as being it's being about bouncing back or grit or responding to stress, and it's so much more than kind of gritting your teeth and carrying on. And in order to really stand the test of time, people need a broader range of resilience resources to draw to draw on, particularly in the current context when you know I think we had a sense of uh, adrenaline in the early days of lockdown you know we, we could kind of ride the wave and get through this whereas this has turned much more from a sprint into a marathon so yeah we uh, need some of those uh, more kind of endurance um, resources and and we define resilience really as the the ability to grow adapt and perform through times of change and challenge and it's something that people can build for themselves but also for people around them. It's also, it's also not simply having better work-life balance or, or telling people they should work less. Uh, if anything, it's about achieving more, but doing it more sustainably. So it's about working smarter in a way, and in a way that that sustains your energy to face those challenging time, times ahead. It's often, you know, if you think about a car, like a car can't run on empty for very long. So it's about sure. what do we do to fuel our own, our own tank so that we can keep going, and even, even before COVID, you know, the the impact of technology and working across time zones meant that, you know, working days are nearly twice as long as they were 10 years ago. You know, the constant 24-7 access that technology affords us means the working day has far less well-defined boundaries, which has been magnified by the COVID context.
0: Yes, yeah, and you say that. I think, we, I think we forget about that, actually. That's, that's something that only just you saying it just then has made me really think about that already. Interesting. So, so you you mentioned actually resilience there being broader than grit or perseverance. What what, what else is important then when it comes to resilience?
1: Yeah, there's five things that we that we've seen in our research that really influence someone's resilience. So, I'll talk through through each of them briefly. So, firstly, support. So that's about both. It's about the relationships we have that create the systems of support during stressful events, and they could be practical or emotional support. So, um, you know, the social isolation we're all feeling further depletes that resilience because it disrupts those normal recovery resources that can lead, you know, leads us into more of a hunker down mentality. We often yeah. underestimate how much support we get from just everyday office conversations, be it a five minute conversation at someone's desk about something you're working on together. And we, we really get those micro boosts of support in a virtual working context, you know, so we, we can end up being out of sight, out of mind, and the owners can be on individuals to reach out for help, which some people are better better at doing than others, and it, that also depends on the, the nature of the relationships, the nature and the quality of relationships that you had before going into this lockdown environment um, yep. influences how easy it is to re- retain those relationships.
0: So it's just, also, just on that, on that Suzanne, yeah. just, just to interrupt there, how, how do we encourage people that sort of ask more if, if, they, if we're saying that they're, they're not asking enough?
1: Yeah, great question. So one thing I would say is is to recreate corridor conversations virtually. So this might look like a five minute check in call, or even just a quick message, you know, via the digital platforms that we're all um, using all day. You know, it yeah. sounds simple, but I think that the small connections accumulate. Um, yep. You know, and I think seeing the crisis from someone else's point of view can help to normalize what we're going through. Um, but I think just what what I've noticed is that there are people that I used to just have those five minute conversations with in the office all the time, that I'm you know have hardly spoken to since we went into lockdown because our, mm-hmm. our paths don't cross naturally because of uh, the clients we're working on, etc. So I think recreating some of those corridor conversations helps. Yeah. And then one of the other things that that's important for resilience, you know, either pre COVID or or in the current context is is confidence. So Essentially, that's, you know, what it says on the tin. It's about the belief in in someone's ability to achieve their goals. But hunkering down to get through the crisis can can inadvertently lead to a loss of confidence, largely because people derive their confidence through their interactions with the world. So the remote working decreases the feedback loops that people subconsciously rely on and without that deliberate management that can eventually er erode confidence, even just you know, if you think about a, an in-person meeting versus a virtual meeting, you you get those cues that you are, and when you're in person with people, you get those cues that people are agreeing with you. You've got much more peripheral vision in terms of being able to see people's reactions. Yeah. Uh, it's much harder to read when everyone's on mute on a Zoom call, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, you know, people can be left thinking, You know, did what I say made sense? Am I on the right track? So I think people question themselves much more in the the current context, especially with the psychological burden that we're all feeling with the increased anxiety that that we have from both uh, a healthcare perspective and an economic
0: perspective. So I suppose in the workforce, you're saying that actually we could see people lose confidence much more in this crisis than we would in normal day-to-day work then?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah, the the flip side of that, I think I think people would lo- lose confidence if they get through the social connections. But just as we're saying that out loud, I think confidence is also built through pushing ourselves outside our comfort zone and and pulling it off. So I think we are doing that a lot right now. So I think there's there's probably um two ways in which it can go for different people uh, but i think it's i think it's complex but i think it can yeah i think there's lots of different ways it could
0: be impacted yeah okay that's great
1: the other thing that is is important for for resilience and in all times is really the ability to perse- persevere to by seeing multiple routes to a goal in the face of challenges so uh, that means this is really this is where grit comes in this is the perseverance but it's also about having intellectual flexibility. So it's about right. being able to, you know, if you've got, if you're just striving and you've got a whole lot of grit and you're just pushing, 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 uh, without being able to see multiple routes to the goal, that's that can be problematic because you just you just become a, you know, a busy, burnt out fool rather than being able to, you know, see okay, this isn't working. How do I change my uh, track? So. And then in the current context, you know, social distancing means it's easy to lose sight of the bigger picture. It's easy to lose sight of what you're really striving for. So I think that intellectual flexibility can be harder, um, yeah. particularly for people as, you know, the goalposts are shifting and, you know, for, for people who are driven by having a, a sense of clarity of what the broader purpose is, it can, that can be a bit demoralising.
0: Okay, interesting. And and the other aspects as well then that you you mentioned, obviously, the broader... broader um... A broader resilience that you mentioned as well.
1: Yeah, so there's two more that I would I would build on to that. So the the ability to re-energize towards our goals, which is essentially about recovery. So this is about putting okay. fuel back in our tanks. It goes back to the car analogy I mentioned earlier. <laughs> so it's yeah. about it's about knowing what energizes us and prioritizing it. You know, so a lot of people have great self-awareness about what depletes and refills their reserves of energy. And this is very personal. So for me, it might be, um, you know, watching Netflix. For you, it might be going for a run. You know, we're going to do very different things uh, that energize us. Um, But today, we've we've lost, we've temporarily lost access to many of those things. So whether that's friends, a yoga class, meals out, you know, the absence of those work rhythms means that the daily structure we use to top up our energy is no longer there. Yet the demands are, are higher than ever. So I think the more we can um you know the more we can can try and recreate that as much as possible the yeah. you know and 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 even things like you know some of the leaders I've coached are you know flagging that they're trying to work on things like you know only watching the news once or twice a day taking reclips,
0: <laughs> you know
1: because <laughs> it can yeah. be I mean it feels like it feels very constant you know and it can sometimes feel feel quite um, particularly with everything that's been going on here and globally, it can feel very, um, you know, like you can't, there's no space from it. So uh, it can feel very intense and very heavy. So I think, you know, recognising what you have capacity to take in and and potentially deciding when you're going to take that in.
0: I, I, I think it's great advice, it? I'd say I, when I work from home, I generally have the sort of a news channel on and I found that well, I used to have it on all day, it was, it was fine for a bit. And then all of a sudden I was like, I can't watch this all day. <laughs> I, <Yeah. laughs> I need to have something else on in the background, whether it's music or even nothing at times.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think, I think the other thing that's on my mind and I've spoken to some, some leaders about this is just being mindful of our own energy levels, you know? So there are some situations where, you know, you just think actually do I have like there's certain certain tasks that you might have more energy for at different times of of the day, depending on your mood? So I think really leaning into being more aware of that. Yeah, and then the final thing I would say is uh, the capacity is about adapting. So the capacity to incorporate learning to evolve with the changing context, and that's really the challenge here is twofold. You know, how do we adapt the present context to feel as normal as possible? while at the same time, you know, proactively using that long break in our daily habits to challenge and improve them.
0: So, so I suppose when you, when you summarise all of that, actually, I suppose the, the, the broader question again was what else is important? It, it sounds like if we summarise that, it's sort of support, confidence, the, the striving, the, the recovery and the adapting, if you sort of put it into a word for each, each topic or heading.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely spot on.
0: Yeah okay yeah it's really interesting. So so what practical tips then do you have for leaders to develop resi- resilience in the current context then?
1: Yeah I think there's a few. So the, the pandemic presents a reason and a moment to challenge our own assumptions. So I think we can use the disruption to the everyday as a catalyst to change patterns that we don't like both professionally and in our personal lives. So I think uh, what we've seen people doing is, is choosing one thing that they're going to do in the new normal or the next normal, whatever we, we refer to, and use that break in our daily habits as a way to push the reset button. Uh, I talked about creating the corridor conversations virtually. I think that's important. I think the the other thing that's really important is for leaders to walk the talk. And role model resilience. So if you know if you're sending emails at all hours, people know you're not travelling right now. <laughs> so you can't be in a different time zone. You know, so I think you you, <laughs> set, the, you set the bar for what's expected of others through your own behaviour. So I think it's it's easier to say you know do as I say, not what I do. At the end of the day, people are going to do what their leaders they're going to think they should be doing what their leaders are doing rather than listening to what they say. You know, it's the whole a notion that actions speak louder than words
0: yeah I think we've seen that a lot lot, Susanna in the fact that people just aren't taking holiday at the moment as well and Mm. and and people are reluctant to do that especially if their boss is doing that and I suppose there's fear that they might even there's a fear that they might even lose their job if they're not seen to be working at the moment
1: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely there's a sense of wanting to everyone is feeling you know hypersensitive and wanting to show that they are um you know even more committed than ever so I think we definitely see that and I think the uh, more effort needs to be put into connecting with each other and you know providing that positive feedback seeing how people are doing you know I've noticed in my own team we've you know we've had a lot more time you know early uh, early in the early weeks of the lockdown we spent a lot more time in our team meetings talking about how we were feeling and how we were responding to this, how we were being impacted in various ways, um, much more than we did, you know, say six weeks into the lockdown. So I think, I think it's about reading what your team needs and, and helping, to, helping to provide that, that increased connection to, to replace some of the connection that happens naturally when we see people in person.
0: Yeah, I think the positive feedback is is such an important one, actually. I think, I think we've experienced with all the sort of the bad news that's going on, there's a tendency to get on that sort of downward spiral when you need to get yourself out of it and start to give people those sort of positive strokes.
1: Mm. I'm curious, Stu, from your perspective, like, you know, speaking to candidates, what's, what are you seeing in terms of people, uh, people's mood and resilience in the current context?
0: Yeah, generally the the candidates that actually I suppose are actively looking, we find that they're they're pretty they're pretty upbeat, they're pretty positive actually on on the whole. Where they where the negativity can come in is is where the the candidate potentially is the um, uh, the main breadwinner in a family, and therefore mm-hmm. it's not just about the it's about the money coming in; it's about the financial aspects. Um, there are greater worries than just. Am I happy in my job, as it were? So that's where the real problem comes in with a crisis like this. I saw it a lot in the financial crisis where people pick up the phone and go, I, I just I, I can't afford to be out of work. I need something. Um, and we're starting to sort of see that a little bit now where people are, I suppose they get onto that downward spiral and they get a bit, bit desperate. Um, mm-hmm. We also still see a lot of candidates that I think have balanced things like their finances really well over the years. And therefore, they're taking a very pragmatic approach to, to this and the fact that they know that the market will come around and it, and it will, we'll know that it will, but I think it really depends on that personal situation around the, the fear from the candidate. And there are, there are gradients and levels that we see at the moment. Mm,
1: yeah, it's really interesting. I, I'm also curious, are you, are you seeing an a drop off in people looking who are already employed? So I'm um, obviously you're seeing an uptick in people that are, have been, you know, unfortunately, impacted by the the economic situation. But are you also seeing people who are, are you also seeing, you know, fewer people looking who are already employed?
0: Yeah, I think think the fear if you're employed at the moment is the fear is that you almost don't want to be looking because you you hunker down and and keep your job because you've got it. I think I think that's definitely the one thing that we are we are seeing with with candidates. Um, I think in in the HR world, we've not seen necessarily the the bloodbath that potentially might exist out there in the world at the minute. Um, And I think that's partly because more and more companies are, I suppose, they need their HR departments right now. They need them to help them. What is our organization going to look like in the future? How can we prove this so that we are more efficient going forward? Um, we might see it a little bit later because because sometimes HR is the last one out the door. You turn the lights off, as it were, or you're, you're resizing, etc., cetera, making that role mm-hmm. redundant. So you might well find that, that it's not come just yet. Um, but, but on a positive note, Susanna, like I can actually see different jobs in HR being created. I can see more jobs being focused around performance management and what remote performance management looks like. Um, I can see new jobs in diversity and inclusion, which are outside of COVID, but more to do with the Black Lives Matter movement that, that we're currently seeing on So there, there are sort of strings of positivity out there for sort of the HR industry. But mm-hmm. it still comes mm-hmm. back to if the business isn't there, they're, they're not going to have those roles. So I, I don't know. We, we're just waiting, I think, to see where businesses land once furlough schemes and government support finishes up, to then see whether it truly impacts. might my view,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's it's a tough one at the moment. I think, um, yeah, I don't, we're not we're not out of the woods just yet, but. As I said, there are some green shoots of of, of recovery out there in certain locations, and and we need to really latch on. So that's one of those positive strokes, I think, Susanna, that we need.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, I think, um, Susanna, sorry to uh, to close things off, but I think we, we've we covered uh, as much as we can in our sort of 15 to 20-minute slot. So thank you very, very much for that. Super, super useful. Um, to everyone that's listening, thank you for downloading this week's edition. If you have any questions for either me or Susanna, please do not hesitate to email me on se at And please join us next week when we will put the challenge, challenges our leaders are facing during COVID-19 under the microscope. Thank you ever so much.
1: Thanks, you.